And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, sometimes on Sunday afternoon, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. You may not hear this until Monday, but I'm recording with McKellie on Sunday. It's McKellie Barron. McKellie, what's up? Well, it's the last day of my vacation, um, so it's going to be normal. For, well, close to normal for, for yeah. from there on, but um, yeah. Um, it's been good. Woods, bathrooms, like we record wherever. <laughs> McKelly's recording in a bathroom right now because it has the best reception and it's hilarious. It's amazing. It just shows you the dedication he has to, to you guys as the listener that he is, uh, is sacrificing an hour of his time to sit in a bathroom and talk about this Thunder team and talk about the putrid news of Chet Holmgren being out for the season. McKelly. Uh, how much did you cry? Uh, have you? How much of humanity have you questioned since you heard the news? I mainly questioned myself. <laughs> um, I was listening to one of the podcasts that you did. I don't remember which one. Uh, it was probably one of the fry pods. Yeah. We were saying, hey, uh, it's going to be bad, even if Chad plays. We don't know yet. We like It was probably the Friday before. And I said, look, if you really want to stride for no wins next year, yeah. the only way is Chet sits this one out. Yeah. And I texted you like three hours before the injury. Yeah. It was, I said, okay, now I'm scared of myself. You predicted <laughs> so, this. You made this happen. You did this to us. I think so. I think so. <laughs> um, oh. I was very worried for a day but um yeah i mean things like that happen yeah. i i really believe that working like that this this is not a good news for okc uh, mainly because of the things that you already discussed with alex on and on um on dream team and whatever with the frank crew the fact that he can't play with shane giddy mm-hmm. uh that is the, the bummer the real bummer yeah. um the record who cares um this will probably give a little bit more leeway to Shea to play at the at an unbelievable level without really messing up with the record. Um, but still, I think that there is a silver lining to be had in, in all this, and it's that Chad can be way better next season after um, 
I would say 12 months of you can't play basketball, but you can work on everything else related to your body, mm-hmm. um, especially core strength, upper body, these parts, he can work like crazy for a year. And and we'll do it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So um, I know that this is not a good way to say, hey, it's good. <laughs> no, it's not good. No. But at least knowing what we know about Chet, uh, which is, again, not everything, um, I can believe that he will do as much as he can to make up for the ground that he's losing uh, by sitting out this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there can be positive things that happen, but when we're talking about like a scale of positive and negative, it's like the negative is at like 50, the positives are like at 15. <laughs> Yes. It's like, you know, it's good. But there are positive things to point out that, like, okay, it's going to be okay. And then I, so I I spoke to a orthopedic surgeon over the weekend um, that is very good, very experienced, been doing this for, gosh, 30 plus years. And he seemed very positive on the prognosis, too, of an injury like this that he can make a full recovery. He even said that he thinks that the the full year is a very conservative time frame that he will likely be you know back on the court much sooner than a year and in fact like could be as soon as like 6 to 8 months could be like back on the court playing basketball again, you know. Um I don't know that he will be. I don't know how long the Thunder are going to hold him out from doing you know, rigorous exercise. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. The Thunder will take this as slow as possible just to ensure that he's back at 100%. But um, after having a, a conversation with an orthopedic surgeon that I know real well, he seemed to think that, you know, this obviously this sucks, but it's something that can be healed. And it's something that he can come back from and that it's not something that should linger after it's taken care of. So there's that for whatever it's worth. And I felt encouraged by, I felt encouraged after I listened to Sam, you know, talk about it. And then I kind of wanted to see if, if I got the same, you know, you always as like Sam's job is to not only run this team, but like, have a message to the fan base and you don't want to just be like doom and gloom and you don't want to be super negative. And I thought that he did a really great job of kind of staying realistic, but positive. And like, part of me was like, okay, how positive can we really be about this? And so I double checked it. And to me, the positivity that was coming from Presti and the, and the thunder seemed to be correct that it is something that can be fully recovered from, that it is something that you shouldn't be crazy worried about beyond just not playing the season, which is a, a super bummer. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that uh, mainly. And I want to, to say that this is not important, but it's more a bummer for we as watchers of the team. Um, because if you look in the grand scheme of things, one year where Chet Ongren, um will not like is not likely to put OPC in title contention uh, or even playoff contention myself. Maybe, maybe playing contention, yes. Um, and like, I know if that everything goes like a thousand percent 
positive and like, I mean, there'd be a lot more than Chet, but like Chet would have to be a huge part of it, but yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So it's, yes, it's negative because we were like, we were having this, this summer of our life, basically in terms of basketball, uh, like after maybe not as 2017, um, with the Paul George news, uh, (laughs) but close to that. I mean, Chet only was the, was the prize of a season of, uh, suffering is not a good word, but struggles. Um, and now we, we are back at it. So mm-hmm. I know that as a watchers uh, and fans and, and even media, um, not having Chet here is a bummer. But for the team itself, uh, if this solves uh, in the right way, and I mean, Presti said so, uh, your contacts say so. So if this is really just one year, then maybe for the team, on the long run can be. Yeah. Oh, McKellie's frozen. I, I do think that there is a chance that in the long term, this ends up working out for the thunder quite well. And in the fact as only if Chet can be a hundred percent when he comes back. Um, but I think it does set them back developmentally. I think that it does set them back like their trajectory back just a little bit. Um, but that's just, it just kind of is what it is. And it's its unfortunate. It stinks. And it does make you worried because we're talking about a seven-footer and talking about a foot injury. Uh, those two as a combo are kind of scary. But, you know, everybody's different. Like, Brooke Lopez at one point looked like he was never going to play again. Um, had tons of foot injuries and then has gone on to play a lot of NBA basketball at a high level. Uh, Embiid is another one. I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot of guys that seem like, holy smokes. I mean, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, the process is pretty much cooked after Embiid couldn't play in year two. Um, so anyways, it is voicemail Monday. And so we're going to go to our first voicemail. McKelly's frozen, frozen in the bathroom. But here is our first voicemail. Hey guys, uh, Brandon from Nashville, Tennessee here. Um, got a quick thunder question for you regarding tickets. So from Nashville, never been to Oklahoma City. I want to go and take a trip to see the thunder in the home arena this year. Um, just wondering, first off, what do you guys think looking at the schedule would be a good swing of home games? Maybe like take a week off, um, catch good home games explore the city, that type of thing. Um, hopefully no Grizz games because the only time I've ever seen the Oklahoma City Thunder was against the Grizzlies in Memphis last season. You know, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah. Took off work, drove to see the Thunder for the first time ever. Super excited. Like 10th row seat. And then that happened. And, um, yeah, not, not a great experience. So hopefully not going to redo that one. Um, but just wondering what you guys think uh, is a good stretch to, to grab some games and uh, explore the city of OKC. Thanks, guys. It's a great question. I'm looking at the schedule now, and a couple different portions of the schedule pop out to me. So, obviously, this is kind of an obvious one, but the first week of November, November 1st and November 3rd, the Thunder play Orlando, which is on national TV still. So that is one that I think would be really fun to be at. It's also a winnable game, despite Chet not being there. Uh, 
And then they played Denver on that Thursday night. And for whatever reason, the Nuggets have struggled against this version of the Thunder. Um, and you know, to me, those are two games that the Thunder could win. So that would those would be fun games, one of them being national televised. I think that's good. I look at December. It's like the week before Christmas. They play Portland twice and then the Pelicans. Maybe if you caught like one of those Portland games in the Pelicans game, I don't know if you want to be gone that close to Christmas. And then if it's not that, I would look at the third week of February, February 13th and 15th. So maybe this could be, I don't know if you have a Valentine, but if you have a Valentine, this could be a little Valentine's Day trip to see Zion and then a winnable game against Houston. So to me, those that's the ones. I wouldn't touch a March game or an April game with a five-foot pole, man. Wouldn't do it. I'd stay away from those home games. However, anything pre-All-Star break, I would uh, recommend. Uh, even Atlanta and Cleveland, I think, would be fun. That's the last week of January, January 25th and 27th, I think, are two that, uh, that would be good. So, all right, let's go to another question. It is about the starting lineup, and here it is. What's up, Andrew? Brian Schmidt here. Mikey, my guy, good to hear from you. Got a question with Chet being out. Um, well, I feel like the starting lineup would have been what? Shea, Giddy, Dort, uh, JRE, and Chet maybe. So what do you think the starting lineup is now? And uh, also, do you think J-Dub has a legit shot at a rookie of the year? All right, thanks, guys. Love all you do. One love. Thank you, Brighton, for the question. Appreciate wow. you listening. Um, okay, so starting lineup. McKelly, thoughts? So, um, let's see. I think that there is a likely starting unit, um, which is, I think, Shay Dort, Giddy, J-Dub, and Jerry. Um, I think there is no point on starting a real center um, because it doesn't work well with spacing. And I think that playing J-Dub the most minutes you can since you you don't have like development minutes for Chet, um, it's a good way to do it. Um, all the units with Shay, Dort, Giddy, and JRE are not good though. So it's, it's a minus 13.6 on 900 possessions. Um, so it's not starting unit that if I were the coach, uh, I would start if the point was winning. Um, so to me, the best starting unit would be something like swapping J-Dub with Kenny, maybe, uh, but even J-Dub can start, and putting Mike as your starting center. This will also be very close to what Chet can be in some facet of his game, like in the pick and pop game. I think that this would be a way to get used to that kind of presence for a year where the next year when Chad will, will come in, will just improve upon what's left. But what is what was done uh, on this season? I know that Mike doesn't have many minutes, um, but maybe playing him 18 as a token starter for five minutes, five minutes, and then maybe closing, that would be my choice. Um, I would not start base. Uh, that is... Minus 
with base instead of JDAP in the starting unit that, it, that to me is likely today. Yeah, I was going to say, if I were to predict it, I would say it's going to be Shea, Giddy, Dort, Baisley, Jerry. Well, this is a good lineup if you don't want to win many basketball games uh, and not maximizing Shea. Um, I think that's what it's going to be. I hope it's not. I think playing J-Dub with them, heck, I'd even, I mean, I'd be way more excited to play Jang instead of Darius at the four. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm being salty uh, with Darius basically for at least a year and a half now. Yeah. Um, I called in the take command, the tank commander. Um, I said that lineups with him are clearly tanking units. Uh, I think that this is right. I mean, if you if you take just Shay and Mike without Baisley, they are plus nine on four hundred possessions. Yeah. Plus nine. That's a like lot this is the net rating of a team that is winning, winning high level basketball. Mm-hmm. If you put Baisley in it you cut the, the production in half, it's still positive. So my thinking here is, hey, you want to maximize Shea? You want to really allow him to cook? Just put shooting around him. I know it's simple, very simple, but I was very surprised to see how this simple thought, you can find like relevance in numbers. Like um, I also uh, put up some different units. I don't know if we want to talk about them now or leaving for later. Tell me if I should talk about lineup now or let's uh I actually have it pulled up. Let's let's go let's go into that. Here we go. Hey what's up? It's the OKC Thunder Baby Goo Goo Gaga. It's a brave new world in Thunderland. We've got a weird team with a bunch of weird lineups. I wouldn't be surprised if we get Usman, Poku and Zeke at the one, two, three this year. So my question is what is the wackiest but most plausible lineup that you're just dying to see this season? Thanks so much, guys. Wackiest lineups. Give me some wacky lineups. Um, I have six lineups. Um, the first one is probably like similar to the one that uh, our listener uh, had in mind, which is Let's Get Tall. Uh, the most likely Let's Get Tall lineup is Shea, Kenny, Giddy, um, Sorry, Shea, Gidi, Jang, Poku, and Mike. Yeah. A lineup like that is basically everyone six, eight, and above except Shay. Uh, you can flip flop Kenny with, uh, sorry, Gidi with Kenny if you want to have a little bit more defense uh, and a little bit more spacing. But that unit, I think, can work. Um, you can put Jade up in it um, instead of Gidi or instead of uh, Mike Muscala even and try to have Pokushevsky at center, which is something that I don't know if it's ever going to be. Uh, but it's um, it's a unit that I think we can see on the court, and I hope that Degnold uh, actually goes with it for a couple of minutes uh, here and there just to see how Poku and Jang play together. Yeah, I, I think that one is is interesting and works. And I would really like to see that one. Yeah, I like that. What else you got? Uh, I have the no basket either way, um, which is Dort, Kenny, J-Dub, Poku or Jang, um, and Baisley. So a unit where J-Dub functions as the point guard while defending on a wing. And then you have Poku and Baisley as your front line. 
I think that this lineup is very good at defense. I don't know how many baskets they can make, uh, but it's a lineup that I kind of want to see. Um, Let's say that you start uh, and then after a couple of minutes, well, Shea does not sit, but this is a second quarter kind of lineup. Um, Basically, I think can still operate well enough uh, when he's surrounded by good defenders. So maybe this works to some degree. Not not sure on offense. It depends on Dort. Uh, but hey, um, good defensive lineup, I think. Yeah. No, I like that too. Then I have the Pike Pass uh, unit, uh, which is the opposite, um, which is Shea, Man, Giddy, J-Dab, uh, and, and Mike. Yeah. Um, so no Dort here, just swapping the starting unit with Man. Um, that unit played actually with Kenrich Williams instead of uh, J-Dub. Yeah. Four possessions and had um, 175 offensive rating, which is quite good. Yeah, um, again, four possessions. Then I, I thought, going back to the shooting idea, um, like how Shay and Mike do when man is on the court? And I think that what I found is quite interesting. Can you guess... What's what is the rating of any lineup that that uh, features Shea, Mike, and Trey Man? Um, it's around 120 possessions. Hmm. Plus 13. Plus 17.7. 130 points scored per 100 possessions. If you leave, if you remove Basley, it's a plus 46, but it's on like 50 possessions, um, so it doesn't really count. But I think that these can be your kind of first eight minutes rotations. You start with Mike Muscala as your center, um, and you just swap man and Dort after five to six minutes. Yeah. And you cook with this, like, shooting first kind of unit, which I think may work. And then I have the... Bench punch, which is basically Giddy Man, Kenrich Williams, J Dub, or Jang and Mike. I think this will be the second unit uh, lineup, also second unit lineup, except, except of uh, Giddy. And I have the Please No lineup, which is <laughs> Theo Maledon, Ty Jerome, Baisley, Jerry, and Giant Door. I don't want to see. Oh, no, that is disgusting. Like that. that is horrible. Yeah. That is terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I am interested in in seeing you know lineups that don't include guys that we already know a lot about too. Like I want to mm-hmm. see I want to see a lineup of like Giddy with just all shooting, you know, and not necessarily mm-hmm. like creation out there too. So like Giddy, J Dub, Trey Man who will just fire from three. Um, I'm. I don't really know. I've, I I want to kind of put Jang out there because I do think Jang is going to be a guy that can hit threes from standstill and then Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just let Giddy just go wild. I think that yeah. would be so much fun. I guess you could put Kenrich. I just I don't know if guys are going to be closing out to Kenrich. They're probably not closing out to Jang either, but um, maybe put Kenrich in there um, and you just let Giddy just go out there and create. I think, I think it's one thing that I think goes a little bit underrated and overlooked is like we think a lot about Shea and we think a lot about uh, maybe what some of the rookies can do, but I think Giddy could have a pretty big leap in this next season. 
given the chance. But well, you better hope not. Otherwise, you owe me a pizza. I don't. I don't think I'll be owing you a pizza, even if he does make a leap. But um, <laughs> I like Josh a lot. Um, oh, we didn't answer the question about J Dub, Rookie of the Year, J Dub. No, it will be. I mean, yes, if it can happen, I guess. Uh, but I wouldn't bet a nickel on that. Not because I don't trust J Dub to have a good season, because I mean he would have to average twenty-two points per game, which is. Yeah something that will not happen. Yeah, guys that I think will easily have a better chance than him, like Paolo Bancaro, number one, like he's gonna he's gonna be the engine to their offense. Just because they don't <clears throat> they didn't have one previously. I don't really like Jabari Smith's odds because he's not gonna be that guy for them. Uh Keegan Murray will have a shot just because they yeah. need somebody to generate points for them. Jaden Ivey will have a shot as well for the same thing. The Pistons offense was terrible. Ben Matherin, if I'm to like, if I'm to pick like a dark horse rookie of the year, that's the guy I'm circling is Ben Matherin, because he's going to have a legit chance to shoot the ball yeah. a lot for for Indiana. And then, and then it is kind of interesting. Like Shane Sharp's not winning it. Dyson Daniels isn't either. Sohan no. Johnny Davis no. There's really just a handful of guys that I would say like have a legit shot and somebody else is going to emerge you know like maybe blake wesley plays awesome for this like tanking spurs team or something um but it's not crazy to think about j-dub as a guy that could be on like the top five of the rookie ladder but the problem is he plays yeah that with, i believe the problem is he plays with shay and giddy and if he was if exactly this, if maybe shay or giddy wasn't here then maybe I would believe in the chance that he has. And even Trey Mann. Trey Mann's another guy that doesn't get talked about at all by Thunder fans mm-hmm. at this point. And it's like, we we go ahead and we put J-Dub ahead of him. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, Trey, Trey scored 20 points in a quarter twice last season. Yeah. And if that guy had a good offseason, and we don't know yet if he did, maybe he didn't. But if that guy had a good offseason and he improved and he got stronger and he is in a better place to start the season. I don't know, man. Like, watch out. Trey Mann is going to be somebody that could, could possibly like be a real player in this league. It's going to be up to him. He's going to have to compete on both ends, and he has to get stronger. But if he does, like, that's another guy that could be in, you know, J-Dub's way of becoming like a rookie of the year type of candidate. Um, it just comes down to, can you score enough points? If you want to yeah. win Rookie of the Year, you know what, or what kind and of impact can you make? Let's put it this way: um, he will not have the same amount of possession that possessions that Chet Holmgren would have uh, yeah. in in Thunder's offense. No question. And I wouldn't have Chet Holmgren first in my Rookie of the Year ballot. Let's put it this way: so yeah. it's um, it's less likely that J Dub will have the same amount of possessions. And, and, and therefore, his chances are even less than that. Can he make an all-rookie? Sure. Yeah. If he plays well, if he starts, maybe. If he comes off the bench, then I really don't see it. Yeah, he could make the all-rookie squad for sure. Uh, okay, this next question is about Shea Gilgis. Alexander, there's been some stuff going around about Shea. Maybe because of the Chet injury, maybe we need to trade Shea. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Let's let's hear this question. 
Hi, this is Josh from Las Vegas. Um, so I kind of had a question. I've been, you know, riding the wave of emotion like everybody else, I'm sure. Um, very down with the news of Chet. Then bit back up again after Sam Presley talked and everything. But now I'm kind of back down uh, with a concern that's kind of crossed my mind, you know, with this whole Thunder Corps kind of being delayed of a year of playing with Chet and Chet being a, a centerpiece. Does that kind of put us behind on the rebuild to the point where you think Shea might look out? You know, he'll be, I think, 25, 26 next year. Um, I, you know, I'm just wondering if, if he starts to think that maybe I'm a little bit ahead of this, uh, of this rebuild and ask out. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that the, all the trade, the trade Shay, um, thoughts are without a base. I think that I would not go that route as of yet because I think that Shea can be a top five kind of talent, um, top 10, top 15, something like that. Hmm. And it's, there is really no rush into this. Something that I would not do today is trading Shea before the season starts or in the season next year. It, it really may be in play um, on draft night. You can have all sorts of trades. If the right package comes to your door and you think that Shea really wants to be somewhere else and you think that your rebuild will be better off by taking it slowly because Shea is already too good to stay another year in OKC, then sure. But why talking about it now? Um, I, I don't think so. Like He has a five-year deal. Um, if he's an all-star, by next year, why would you trade him? <laughs> yeah. It's and the package would would have to be insane. Like it it needs to have like a top five pick in next year draft plus like a lot of stuff. And it's something that you rarely have for a guy like him. So um it's in terms of proper value, you will hardly get that. So you would do it only if he, if your backs if your back are against the wall basically, uh, and you have to. But I, again, I don't think that having Shea with twenty five years of age and Chad with twenty two and Giddy with twenty is having a core that cannot stay together in terms of age. Yeah, well, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, Shea is only twenty four. He turned twenty four a month and a half ago, so. Yeah. He's not 25, 26. He's 24, 25, um, which is a big difference. Yeah, I was thinking next year. Sorry. Yeah. So he's, you know, will be 24 all of this season. He'll be 25 all of next season. So 23, 24, he'll only be 25. So I don't think yeah. he's like terribly off of the timeline of the Thunder team. So like that to me is like kind of a bogus excuse. Um, also, like, He's a really good player. He averaged almost 25, 5, and 5 last year. And to find somebody that can do that is really difficult. I mean, think about the guys from this past draft that you're completely confident are going to be 25, 5, and 5. I think Paolo, I feel 
confident that he can be that kind of player. Is he going to get to 25 points per game? I don't know. I think it's possible that he does. But even five assists, yeah, he's a good passer. But 25, 5, and 5 is not nothing. Like, you no. can say, okay, he's 23, 8, and 2. Yeah. Okay. Is it better? Is it the same? Like, to have a guard that can play on and off, that has that size and defensive potential. I know that it's potential, and it's not, like, actual and factual in many games. But it's, like, Why? Again, you're drafting a number one pick to get that production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're talking about the number one guy on last year's draft, and maybe he can do that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I look at the rest of this draft, and I'm like, I don't know that anybody in this last draft could be that guy. You know, maybe Jaden Ivy <laughs> if everything goes well. Maybe Ben Matherin if everything goes well. But I like wouldn't bet on either one of those guys. I don't think Keegan Murray is going to be able to... I think he could be like a 2010 guy, but I don't think he's a guy that's like a great passer or a guy that's going to like really lead the offense. I think he's more like... It's a lot like his his teammate Harrison Barnes, which is like a really good player, but not 25-5-5. Five, five, and five. And then it's going to be some rando that just pops if, if somebody else is going to do it. So like the entire draft of last year, like I don't know if there's a guy that can do that. And then you go to 21... Like we're talking about Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes. Like those are the kind of guys. And then you look at the rest you of the You're trading draft. for Scotty Barnes? If we're trading for Scotty Barnes, this is a completely different conversation. You look at the rest of the draft, the answer is like no, 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 no. You go to twenty twenty, it's like Anthony Edwards, yeah. Lamello, yeah. End of list. End yeah. of list. Twenty nineteen. John Morant. Yep. Zion. Yep. Darius Garland. Yeah. End of list. You know, those are the kind of guys that we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Go back 18. Luka Doncic, Trey Young. Yep. Yep. And Shea is in that, on that, like, list is over. 2017. Jason Tatum. End of list. You know, Donovan Mitchell, I guess. That's on the list too. Yeah. But like the point is, we're talking about like the elite of the elite in a in a particular draft. And if you get them outside of the top five, you're lucky as all get out. And the Clippers were very lucky to have a chance to trade for Shea on draft night. Yeah, but let me tell you, outside of the top two, you are very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're just like, well, we'll just trade for for a pick and then we'll no, you got this guy locked up for five years. If Shea is unhappy exactly. this year, you look at him in the face and say, bro, you signed for five years without a team option or without a player option. You're going to have to be patient because yeah. even if he makes a stink about it, look what happened with Kevin Durant. One of the yeah. most powerful athletes, period, on the planet couldn't get the trade done. Yeah, and say that Shea comes to you and say, well, if you don't trade me now, I'll sit out for a season. Great! Awesome! Thank you. That helps us. And <laughs> you're going to realize that, that we've got this incredible team. And you're like, oh, all right, I'll come back, guys. You know, But the the truth is, like, we're talking about these like hypothetical like, miffed and peeved situations with Shea. 
The truth is, Shay has shown zero indications of being unhappy. In fact, he was the opposite at exit interviews after he hadn't played, after they had this putrid season. He was happy as can be. Told us that he believed in what Sam was doing. Told us that he's on board with what's going on. And we have no reason to believe that that's changed. Does the injury, like, it stinks. It sucks. And I think that, you know, you can't sugarcoat it in any way. That This is like a good thing for Shea or for the team. It's not. But to say that you go from all in on the plan and everything and then have one freak injury to your center that was going to be good and going to be helpful but wasn't going to take you to the playoffs. So like what are we what are we doing? Like what are we complaining about here? Like what are why are we changing? Why are we trying to shift this narrative when if and trust me, this narrative is going to be tried is going to try to be shifted by a lot of people outside of the Oklahoma City market. Mostly because they recognize that Shea is a good player. It's actually an interesting interesting problem for Thunder fans to have to defend this because it's like the same thing the Suns had to do for years with Devin Booker. People are like, well, yeah. this is this is your four with the Thunder and he's not going to be happy. He's not going to like this. Uh, Devin Booker had to be in the league for six years and not didn't yeah. make the playoffs all six years with the Suns. And the Suns, you know what they did? They said, it's okay. We're going to hang on to him because we know that he's really good. And if we traded him, we'd be looking for a player just like him. We've already got him, so we're going to keep him. And I don't think that Booker was particularly happy the whole time. But they continued to build. They made some good moves. They got themselves right at the top of the West. And the Thunder, the Thunder's turnaround could happen pretty fast, too. And so to pull the rug out from yourself, just because you have a little bit of bad luck, is just stupid. Like, it's just flat out yeah. stupid. You just have to think, in one year, the Thunder will likely have Chet coming back and a lottery pick to add to this team that will have maybe one or two guys emerge this year, one or two guys develop to get a little bit better. There will be guys that will be worse. I think that will happen too. But there will be guys that will emerge as better. And then you go into 23-24 with basically two high lottery picks that haven't played with this team and what you've already built. And then you could look at the Thunder and say, whoa, okay. And not just that, Andrew. You have cap space, yeah. gazillion assets, and the new like rule, the new CBA rules yeah, exactly. that will allow you to say, hey, maybe we have Chad, maybe we have pick number 11, just not to jinx it. Um, and, and we will have an offer for the best free agents in the class. I don't know. I, I don't know if that is actually something that uh, Presti would do. I, I would probably say no to that because it's uh, it's going to be natural and organic grow and, and whatnot. But they have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. And, and, and again, and on top of that, next season can be like a transcendent season for Shea. He yeah. can be superb, and OKC still being a lottery team. Yeah. So he can say, okay, I'm great. We'll get a great player in chat, uh, and the team can build around me. Yeah. And this is my team. So it's. I don't think that you can be miffed about that today. Next season, we'll see. Yeah. And then you also 
look at look at him and say, listen, we're going to have this team going into the 23-24 season. And then the 24 off season, we have an unprotected Clippers pick. We have a top four protected Rockets pick. And then like the Jazz pick may not convey because um, it's top 10 protected and they're likely to be putrid by then. But... Like if the Rockets, and it's not even if the Rockets are not the worst team. If the Rockets are, even if they're the worst team, you're going to still have a chance to get their pick. Yeah. <laughs> that in the 24 off season. And if you have this team, and let's say you, you make the play in, and the Rockets are the sixth pick, you get the sixth pick in 2024. Yeah, and then you have which is insane. And then you have the unprotected Clippers pick, which who knows where they'll be? Who knows where their injuries are going to be at? It may just be like the twenty fifth pick, whatever. But you go into the twenty four draft with pick six, with pick twenty five, with pick seventeen. That is the Thunder's three powerful first round picks after a year of like driving success. That's when you can say, hey, we've got disgruntled star X over here. We're willing to give you the sixth pick from the Rockets. We'll give you our 17th. We'll give you 25. And we'll give you Trey Mann for your guy. And you know what they'll say? Why? What? Why Trey Mann? Why I don't know. Trey Mann? Well, I'm just saying, like, you can't play everybody. You can't develop everybody. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you take – that's the thing. Dort. You hate her. No, Dort is on our title team. Stop it. Um, it. This is like the vision. And don't you... Here's the thing. You can't let this misfortune of Chet being hurt take away from the vision of what could be when we hit the summer of 24. I talk a lot about the summer of 23, and, it's, and it should be a year where things start to come together. But if you fast forward one more year where the team should be way more competitive by then. Like, to me, yeah. at that point, you have so much talent, you're going to be pulled right to the middle. But you're going to have a chance to get the assets and the tokens and everything you need to go from middle to top with that. And I don't know who who it could be. You could, They could draft a guy at six and be like, you know what, this guy is going to be unbelievable. You know, you could get your Josh Giddy of, of whatever that draft is at six and you just get to add him to this team. But that to me is like a great and interesting time to start to consolidate players and picks and be like, okay, now we're going to add this all-star power forward to this squad. And like now we are a top four team in the West. Like, I don't think that that's out of the question. So I'm just saying if you trade Shea now, or if you buy into this weak narrative that because Chet's hurt, that things are so bad they need to trade Shea, you don't see the vision. You mm-hmm. are lost. And you are, it's very, to me, extremely shallow-minded. So I would just say, you have to ride this out with Shea. You cannot... This is not the time to abandon ship because I do think they'll be in the lottery again anyways. And even if they get like the eighth pick in this next draft, which is like still not out of the question, you know, I think some of the guys on this team are good enough to like not make us the bottom of the barrel team in the West. I saw, I saw some line that said the Thunder are going to win 17 games this year. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like you know, like you, you weren't 
watching. And I'm like somebody that would be like, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be great. No, that, <laughs> no, no, that, that wouldn't be great. I, I know, I know, but that's good. Terrible. But like, if you think about like, there wasn't a team bad enough in the league, you know, to help only win 17 games last season, you know, and there were some putrid, putrid times, but there were still that not, team, not yeah. a team that was that bad. So there's yeah. just no way that the Thunder are that bad. That's just what I'm saying. No, it's there's no way. Uh, and I think that if you, even if you win the same amount of games that you won last year, it's a bad news because it means that I don't think that they could sit guys the same way they did last season. That is a thing that I don't see. Um, and I agree with you. Chet would be like a four, like four or five wins, I think, added. Even three, four. Um, I still think that this is a 30-win teams. I, I, again, I will die on this island. If they play Shea and Giddy at the right amount of time, which is, to me, 65 games each, there is no way they win less than 30. Uh, maybe 28, 29, if you, if you really want to, to set the bar low. But yeah. um, would, this would, is a better team than what we had last year. Yeah. I would not count on 65-plus games from everybody. But uh, All right, next question. Hey, Andrew and McKelly, this is Seth from Tulsa. Um, this kind of goes along with uh, Andrew's question to Sam um, at his presser. Um, but just kind of curious if you guys have thought about it more uh, with Chet's injury. Uh, I assume that opens up a roster spot um, that Chet doesn't technically count against the roster. Um, I'm not positive about that, but um, do you think this kind of gives um, additional opportunities or looks for guys like Baisley or Poku, or do you think that um, – the coaching staff and Sam will kind of continue business as usual as far as kind of what minutes and plans they've allotted for certain players. And if they just might use this to maybe try out additional guys, um, just kind of curious um, about who specifically um, is, is kind of directly affected or maybe given kind of a chance they wouldn't have um, with Chet being out for the year. Thanks. Appreciate all you guys do. Thoughts, Michele? I think that uh, all the Baisley, JRE, uh, Poku, and even Jang can have more minutes yeah. for because of chat injury. I don't think that Mike will play more. Uh, maybe he can play in different spots, but I doubt that uh, my fake starting unit will not see light. Um, I don't think that the giant dot will be with the team. I don't see any need for that. Even if like you need a token center, just play Jerry. Mm-hmm. If you get destroyed by whoever, who cares? Um, play Jay, play Jay Will. I think Jay Will is another one that will get an opportunity. Yeah. Exactly, Jay will. Uh, it's another one that may be uh, more with the roster, uh, with the regular roster than with the GD because of that. But even that, um, I don't know. I would. I think that at least in the first part of the season, it would be the first four guys that I mentioned that will see more minutes, um, and maybe Jay will. Um, but maybe in the second part of the season, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's right. I think you will see one last shot for Baisley. I think you'll see 
think Poku will be a, a guy that will get some token minutes this year. Uh, I hope he earns them. I hope this is a situation where he, you know, emerges out of the ashes like the Phoenix we know he is, and he can be <laughs> this glorious player that we have. Who shoots thirty-two percent from three? Who shoots a just a magnificent thirty-one point three uh, mm. percent from three? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I think that that's. It's, you don't get a great answer out of this one. I, I wish that I could be a little bit more positive, but I think that the front court is an area where the Thunder are going to continue to need to build on what they've got. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily believe in a ton of guys that they have there. I like JRE, but do I think that Jeremiah is going to be like the long-term starter? Like I don't know. Like I, I, I think you can do better. Like I frankly think you can do better. Um, He's a perfect bench guy. Yeah, I like him as a as your like third or fourth big. You know, I think that that's a mm-hmm. perfectly suitable spot for him. And we will we will see how that all kind of unfolds. But I do think that front court. I think Shea, not Shea. I think that Chet. Um, is probably the only guy that I'd say like I feel confident will be a part of the long term core, you know, moving yeah. forward. So yeah, and touching on the disabled player exception, they applied for that because it's silly not to do it. Yeah. Uh, they can use it uh, during the year to try out guys. I yeah. don't expect that to be a truly functional means to add talent for the future. Yeah. But they can surely say, hey, here is this guy that is a well-known, well-respected veteran that wants to come in just to be part of the group. Um, yeah, you can do something like that. You can go and find your new Gabriel deck and sign him for one year um, with that exception. And it's not like little money for an European player, so uh, European or international player. So you can do stuff like that. Again, it's stuff on the side. I would not think that they would do something really um, important for the future of the franchise with that exception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, All right. Next question is about Mark. Hey guys, this is Sam from Chicago. Uh, I'll keep it brief. Uh, Yeah. I'm just curious on how you think we should be evaluating Degnault this season. Uh, Maybe is there anything specifically you'd like to see him implement stylistically? Uh, Thanks guys. And boiler up to McKellie. Boiler up. Boiler um, up, McKelly. All right, give us something, McKelly. What What do you think? How can we evaluate Mark? It's a good question. It's a t- It's kind of a tough one too. Um, we, it it is an incredibly tough question to answer. Um, I would focus on one singular player, which people know I hate. So it's very simple for me to ha- keep hating. Um, I would see. I I, I want to see a huge development in Dort's uh, way to attack the basketball and to just play on offense. I think that part of the coaching staff is maximizing a player inside a lineup. Um, Chet is gone, so the number of possession for Dort is a little bit higher than anticipated. But I really want to see if they can maximize him. Um, part of that was already shown in Summerlin 
with Giddy um, and also Jada obsessively searching for corner trees. If that is the way in which Dort takes four of his six trees per game, I think that that is kudos to coaching. Um, so these are the things I really want to see implemented. More corner trees, uh, and especially for Dort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because something that I was looking forward to is like seeing guys put into their roles once Chet is on the team because he's going to serve mm-hmm. a very important purpose. And now you have a, like role players, maybe even guys that are going to be off this team playing in that spot. And it's just disappointing because now like the door, the Dort role is about the same as it was last year. And it's like, no, we were wanting to like pare that role down. Like we were trying to prepare him for what he's going to be, like what the vision is for him whenever this team is like really starting to cook. And now they, I mean, I think that Chet was probably going to be the second leading scorer on this team. Mm-hmm. Like now who's going to be the second leading scorer on the Thunder? You know, I think it will be Giddy. I mean, that would be a great step forward if yeah. that's the case. Because last season, it was Dort, and it wasn't very close. I know. So, to me, you put Dort in the corner. You still, I mean, he took, gosh, he took 14 shots per game last year. If you take that down to like 12 or even 11, and you give a lot of those, you give other shots to Chet, and Chet's at like 18, and Dort's at like 12 points per game. I think that's like a, a step forward for the team. But now, if Giddy can become that, that'd be great. I just don't know that Giddy's going to be like a prolific scorer. Like he took 12 and a half shots per game, 41% from the field, 12 points. You know, we're going to need yeah. to see a pretty big improvement from him to be there. Uh, we'd have to see a pretty big jump from Trey Mann, which is like another candidate to be that guy. But it's just disappointing because I do think that the odds are pretty good of it being Lou again. Yeah. And this is another reason why I really want to have a starting unit with Mike Oscala. Because I think that when Mike is on the court, Mike will take shots. Um, his shots per minute, are, per minute are very high. And so... I want to temper a little bit with Lou Dort usage. Um, yeah. He has to stay. It has to stay down. And with Mike Muscal on the court, you can really do that. Um, I don't think JRE will take the same amount of shots uh, and will have the same company or will occupy the same spaces that that uh, that Muscala um, occupies. And yeah. so, to me, it makes perfect sense because of that. Um, and then, yeah, well, if Lou Dort improves his efficiency and he is, he takes, I don't know, um, even 14 shots again, but a percentage from three is 35, 36%. And he needs to take those shots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if he becomes an efficient scorer, I have no problem with him scoring 17, 18 per game, even when Chet is back. The point is, can he be more efficient? And I think that that is part of the coaching staff job. Like, allowing Ludor to maximize himself. He can have the same amount of trees, just different trees. Uh, he can have close to the same amount of drives. I think he, he needs to have a little bit less than that, uh, but more efficient one. 
efficient opportunities. Yeah. This is something that the coaching staff needs to work on, just to show him, hey, we need you to be the leader on defense. And we, need, we need to allow you to be the best version of yourself on offense. And this is just coaching. Mm-hmm. And, well, no, coaching is just a big part of it is coaching. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, a couple more questions. This one is about levers. What's up, Andrew? It's Brixton Schmidt. Uh, just have a quick question for you about uh, when it will be time to pull levers this next season. Since Chad just got injured, uh, we still will be better with the addition of J-Dub. Um, I know Jang will you know, be a project and stuff like that, and also J-Will. But at what point in the season do we start pulling levers to get ready for the draft again? I think we'll still get better. I agree we'll win a ton of, ga- a ton of games, but I think we'll win more games. So just want to know when you can expect to see lineups like we did at the end of last season because those games were pretty brutal to watch, and I just want to be prepared for my heart and mind and my soul for that. So thank you, guys. That's one love. Down to Dort. Thank you so much for the question. I would re- I will refer to Sam Presti's own words at the end of the season. And he essentially said he wished that he was pull he had pulled levers earlier. And I take that comment to heart. I would be very skeptical about attending a home game in March. There are only two home games in April. I would especially be um I would be I would be hesitant to attend those games as well. But they play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight home games in March. And boy, there's some tough ones in there. But there's also some cake ones in here too. Um they play Utah twice in March. They play Charlotte and Detroit in March. They play in Indiana in March. They play San Antonio in March. You best believe there are going to be some tanky tank races in March, and the Thunder will be a part of those. So I would just say prepare yourself. Pre-All-Star break, I don't know. I think that you can enjoy a lot of basketball pre-All-Star break, and most of the games occur before the All-Star break. But March, I would say... Could be uh, your ghost time. Could be your ghost forty-five minutes of game time. So, I would, I would. That's that would be my prediction. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're just bad enough to be like the fifth worst odds in the league, anyways, and they just play through the whole season. That would be ideal. You know that you don't have to pull all these levers to get there. But if it appears that they might need to, this draft is good enough to pull levers for, and I would not. So I would not be shocked to see that happen again. Well, this is the tanking whisper. So your answer is good for me. I would say March as well, by the way. Yeah. It's a bummer. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right. This is our last question. And it's a little bit lighter question. So here we go. Uh, hey, dude. It's Tyler from Jude Buffet. Uh, my question is, is there a reason we are committed to keeping the worst logo in the league? Uh, is there a team that you think has a worse logo? 
why does it not have anything to do with Thunder? And uh, do you think someone in the creative department just really loves the FanDuel logo? <laughs> Uh, thanks, dudes. Rise together. Oh, also, <laughs> it's been the perfect year for like the past six years to change the logo. Thanks. Bye. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. Uh, great question. As far as worst logos, I do think it's the worst logo in the league. It mm-hmm. looks. It does look like the FanDuel logo. It does look like the Doritos logo. Um, one that's worse. I'm looking at all these logos now. A lot of these are pretty good. The Pacers one is fine. The Cavs one is fine. Like, what bad logos are out there? The Nuggets one is actually pretty decent. The... Blazers the one, Wizards is one is not great. The what? The New Orleans one? Yeah, it's not. No, the Wizards. Oh, the Wizards. I'm sorry. I thought you said New Orleans. New Orleans is not great either, but I, I, mostly because I don't like the color scheme. The Wizards one doesn't look... That's, that's a, that is a problematic one because you have... Your mascot is a wizard. It's a wizard. And you just have a basketball that's just like blue, red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, that's lame. That's problematic right there. The Heats is great. The Magic is great. Charlotte's good. Yeah, it's probably the worst one though. It's between the Thunder and the and the Wizards. Yeah, it you could yeah. you could use a lightning bolt of some kind. You could use some kind of bison or something. But yeah, you just have the Doritos logo with OKC. It is it's always been bad. It's out of the consciousness of our of the fan base that it's that bad just because it's just normal now. You just like look at it and be like, oh yeah, Thunder. But yeah, if you like really break it down, it's just like OKC going across these two lines. And I know that there's like an elaborate way to describe it, but with the uh, Doritos shape with a basketball in it, it's like, yeah, that's, it's, uh, yeah, it's probably the worst one. It's probably, it's probably the worst one of them all. But, you know, I don't know that they'll change it. They've had many, many great opportunities to make a, you know, full scale change rebrand i've always kind of heard that maybe that's a possibility but uh, i i would be surprised if it happened at this point i think after you trade westbrook you have the perfect opportunity to rebrand but you know maybe they do it in summer 23 whenever they have a chance to change a lot of things but i wouldn't bet on it it's pretty bad uh any other any other logo thoughts before we go no, I think that they can do a rebrand while not breaking everything. Like the Kings did a very nice rebrand, for example. They did. So they, they, they can do something. It's, you can still see what was before, but but in a cooler way. Like you can make it cooler yeah. without like completely dismantle whatever it was before. Cooler Ranch. A cooler Ranch rebrand. Now it's called Cool Ranch. It used to be called Cooler Ranch. Now it's called Cool Ranch. It's another rebrand for you. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. We are almost through the off season. It's almost September, which means that we are less than a month away from uh, training camp and media day uh, at Down to Dunk. We always bring you some great quality media day content, and that will be similar this year. So 
just be sure to tune in for that. Please be sure to subscribe to us. This is not on YouTube today, by the way. If you're trying to find it on YouTube, it's not on YouTube um, because Michele's bathroom reception isn't good enough for, for a stream. And also, I don't know that you just want to see him in the bathroom for an entire stream either. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening. Michele, uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, it's about 24 hours, and then I'll be home. So um, it's over. All right. You guys have a great rest of your day. We have the summer of 2018 coming up on Wednesday with the Summers of Sam continuing. So stay tuned for that. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.